Can you give Jesus an applause this morning? Come on. Come on. It's the Lord Jesus Christ for praising. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated for a moment. Hallelujah. First of all, I'd like to introduce my special, 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 special wife. She, she's the Matter of fact, my only wife. There's none hiding in the back anywhere. But she's been my my uh, my girlfriend for a uh, long time, over 53 years. And at the end of this month, uh, it'll be 52 years that we've been married. Maria Greta, people. invited to be here with you. It is um, such an honor. Um, we have seen how God is moving in our in this area. Yes. And we know, we know we can sense the Holy Spirit in this place. Yes. Yes. I just love the Lord. We could not, or I could not help but feel the presence of the Lord. As the um, praise team was singing that song about him being a miracle worker, my thoughts went to a really good uh, friend of ours that is at the bedside of their 18-year-old, believing for a miracle. Yes. Yes. And I believe what Pastor said is true, that God is unlocking yes. miracles in our lives. Yes. Yes. God is unlocking doors that were closed for years, yes. and we have been believing, and we have been standing on his promises, but you know, this is a year where God is going to move. And if you believe, and if you trust, and if you grab a hold of that truth, you will see miracles. You will see miracles. I am sure that there are people in this congregation that have situations in their lives that they need a miracle from God today. This is your day. This is your day. Claim it, believe it, receive it. Yes. In Jesus' name, yes. I bless you. Hallelujah. Just a little bit about myself. I was saved at the age of nine. I began preaching the gospel in three corners of Chicago at the age of 10. And God started to use me in the gift of prophecy at the age of 10. Pastors and evangelists would come across the nation to our, my home church. And they would come to my pastor and say, God sent me here because you have a word for me. He would say, no, I don't. But you be in church tonight. There's a little boy that does. And I'd stand in front of these men and women of God. And I began to tell them about their past, their present, and where God was taking them. 
often ask God, I said, well, God, why did you use me as a child in that manner? And he said, because many of the men that had come to you, he said, they were heartbroken. They were hard. Their hearts had become hard. They were ready to walk away from the ministry. And if any adult would have told them the things you told them, they wouldn't have accepted it. But because it came from a child, they knew it was God. But you know, my God using me in that gift at that age was nothing unusual in our church because you see in our church, the children would bring forth messages in tongues and interpretation and bring forth prophetical words. Now, I'm talking about the children. Our church would run about 300, 400 on Sunday morning, but on Sunday night, we would run up to 800 as they brought the sick from all across the city of Chicago into our church. And the pastor would lay his hands on the young people, the teenagers. Hear me, teenagers. He would lay his hands on them and say, let God use you. And our teenagers would start calling out all the different diseases, all the different infirmities that were in that house. And people would be getting healed. Right off the, 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 the platform of our church, there was a small room. And in that room is where we put all the, crut the crutches, the wheelchairs, the braces that were left behind. I'll tell you something. That was... That was Quite a number of years ago, hmm. 65 years ago to be exact. And that's nothing compared to what's coming. Hear me? I said, that's nothing compared to what's coming. Back in 2000, beginning of 2009, I went to the hospital, had surgery. It went bad. I was home for one day. They had to rush me back to the hospital. I was bleeding internally. They couldn't find out where I was bleeding from. I ended up having drains all over my body, collecting the excess blood. From my waist down, I gained 40 pounds of water. And it began traveling through my body. One night, I spent that one night where I was battling the very powers of hell that they wanted to take me out. I was dying. This woman was in that room interceding for me all night long. Didn't want our children there. We didn't want anybody else there, just her. I'll tell you something. When you got a prayer warrior, you don't need anybody else in there. My mom used to say, son, when you pray, if you're not going to shake God's throne, don't bother. And I often said, it's a miracle God's still on his throne because my mom shook it so much. <laughs> but this woman shook God's throne. And I could feel the powers of hell coming against me, but I also knew there was another presence in that room that was battling. Towards morning, I saw a bright light. Now I saw that light, I said, I knew, I knew, I won. And that morning, a young pastor, Hispanic pastor that I had been mentoring, he came to me and he said, Pastor, I've been up all night long praying for you. And God sent me to tell you the greatest days, your greatest days are still ahead of you. That afternoon, another young pastor that I've been mentoring, he came, he said, Pastor, I've been up all night long praying for you. And God sent me to tell you your greatest days are still ahead of you. I was in the hospital for two months. 
It took me eight months to recuperate from the, what had taken place in my body. The end of that eight months, revival broke out in August of 2010 in Cross Tabernacle in Terre Haute, Indiana. The evangelist, some of you may know him, his name is Michael Ivangood. I walked into that sanctuary. I told my wife, I said, I got to go there. She says, I know. She said, like, I wasn't telling her anything. You knew she knew I had to go. And I went to that outpouring. You see, at first they start calling revival and the Holy Spirit rebuked us. He said, don't call it revival because people already think revival starts on Sunday and ends on Wednesday. He says, this is the continuation of the book of Acts. I will pour out my spirit. This is an outpouring. And I walked into that sanctuary and Mike Livengood looked at me and said, Fred, we've been waiting for you. About 10, 15 minutes later, I saw Pastor Keith Taylor, who was the apostle of the house, and he said, Fred, we've been waiting for you. I thought you could have called me. <laughs> but then, that night, I started operating in the gift that God had given me as a child. Oh, I operated in occasionally, every now and then, in the years that I pastored for 35 years. And then all of a sudden, God started taking me into a different realm, a different area. There have been times where we've had as many as 100 pastors and their wives lined up from one end of the sanctuary and to the other end of the sanctuary. And I would go in front of each one of them, and God would start giving me a word for every one of them. Every single one. Year, I'll tell you, months and years later, they come back to the word you gave me. It came exactly the way God said. Now, I'm not saying this to lift up this person, because I have nothing without the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. It's God's time, God's hour to move in the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, I'm not here by mistake. I've been sent and ordained by God to be here. You are not here by mistake. God has placed you in this place because he has something powerful for you today. Yes, you got an old man that's preaching to you today. This last week I just heard I turned 75 years of age. Let me tell you something. There are many people who say, well, I can't wait till I reach 65. I can retire. When I walked at the Cross Tabernacle that day, I was 64 years of age. During the time while I was recuperating, the devil was sitting there telling me my days were over. He said, you've done a lot of great things. You started two churches. You pastored all these people. You've done all this. You've been really doing good. Now it's time for you to retire. And I thought, this is stupid. The devil's complimenting me. But at 64 years ago, the age, God said, you're not done. Not time to retire, it's time to refire. To all our senior citizens that are in here, hear me, honey. You got something that God wants to use. You're not done. My mother, she was, my parents were, were preachers. My dad, he had a heart attack while in the pulpit, they prayed for him, he got up and continued preaching. <laughs> My mother, she was a powerful woman of God. Because of her, there was the, the, the forming, formation of the, of the Hispanic Ministerial Association in the city of Chicago. 
She became a, 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 not only a pastor, she became a teacher. She became the dean of Bible school. She knew the word. When she died, she was the most noted authority in Bible doctrine within the Spanish Assemblies of God. And my mother, I'll tell you something about this woman. She had lost her sight. And so she was in a nursing home and blind in that nursing home. She gathered the people together and she taught them the word of God because she already had it already in her heart and in her mind. And she preached right there in the nursing home to all, all the residents that were there. And she told me, she said, son, I'm not officially retired until you see them throw the dirt on my casket. Then I'm officially retired. Come on now. The devil told me I already have one foot in the grave. I said, yeah, but with the other one, I'm going to kick you to death. <laughs> Come on now. Hallelujah. I think I might preach a little bit. The title of my message is Intense Shaking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you love Jesus? Oh, I didn't hear that. I said, do you love Jesus? All right, God. If you're physically able, would you stand with me so we give honor to the reading of my Father's word? Yes. I'm reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and verse 26. Hallelujah. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Yeah, I will use different translations, by the way. I don't only use God's Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. That when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. Now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This is a word to the church today. I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. My Father, my King, my Redeemer, my Free, I praise you, I thank you for the privilege, the honor, and the joy, Father, that it is to stand behind this pulpit and preach your word. Father, I ask now, once again, that you will come and anoint me. Holy Spirit, come. Without you, I'm nothing. Empower me. Let every word that proceeds out of my mouth have the touch of God upon it. Lord God, right now I bind every power and principality that is not of God. In the name of Jesus right now, Lord God, would you right now release upon this congregation the spirit of Holy Ghost conviction. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, Lord God, I bind every pain that's in everybody that I commanded to leave right now in Jesus' name, that they may be fully attentive to what you have to say. Have your way. Be glorified. Be exalted. We pray in the name of Jesus, and we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory forever and ever. Everybody said? Before you sit down, I want you to do this. I want you to make this confession. I do it everywhere I go. Because I believe it's my confession. I want you to confess it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be a bad day for the devil. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise God. For the past couple of years, now I and many others have been prophesying that there's coming to this nation and especially to the church a shaking. I have most recently stated that what has brought this pleasure to the heart of God 
these prophets who only prophesy blessing, but not what is required to receive the blessing. I mean, I can tickle your ears with prophetic words about how great God's going to do great things. But let me tell you something. There is a price that always has to be paid. In January of 2020, God gave me a word to deliver to the attendees of the Road to Glory Conference, which was held in Rochelle, Illinois. Matter of fact, they hold it every January when it's the coldest time of the year in Rochelle, Illinois. It was a gathering of five-fold ministries and others. And here's an excerpt from what God gave me. This is what God said. Hear me. He said, over the past six months, you have heard many teachings and prophetical words concerning this being the decade of proclaiming, decreeing, and declaring the word of the Lord. You have also heard by others that this is the year of perfect vision. In the mixture of all that has been said, much of what has been said, I have been revelations that I have imparted to my servants, yet much of what has come forth has been from man's imagination. So many are they who have spread their utopian message across the airways and on social media announcing that this is the time of signs and wonders and blessing upon blessing. They say, cast off those chains of financial bondage Break free from the teaching that you must be holy. This is the era of grace and mercy. And there are those who stand in the temple declaring and decreeing things that go against my word. They are teaching many things, many that they have the authority to demand of me whatever they want or whatever they need. Hear me. I am God. And I am not a servant who must grant their every wish or demand. I am God. I speak and all the host of heaven bows in reverence before me. Much has been said of the great blessings that are in store for my beloved. That this is the time for the next great awakening. This is the day for signs and wonders and the working of miracles. So many words, so many prophecies, yet so little has been said about what I require of my people, my bride, my blood-bought church, for all these promises to come into fruition. Have those who say, thus saith the Lord, forgot what I said? Or have they chosen to omit what I have spoken to them as a requirement for the fulfillment of these promises? Does not my word declare, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation? Because it is written, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And again, my word says, those who are not holy will not see the Lord. You see, we've gotten into this type of mentality that, that, that ever that says, Oh, no one's perfect. You know, that excuse of no one is perfect has given us a license to be imperfect. Yeah. It has given us a license to not even pursue perfection. I am of the belief, because of what the Holy Spirit has told me, this last day outpouring, this last day great awakening is going to be such a matter and such a magnitude that we're going to fall so much in love with Jesus that we're going to find it hard to sin because our desire is going to be only to please God. 
Come on now. One of our churches that are part of our, our altar is the Northview Assembly of God. Matter of fact, next uh, next in October, they're having their, their river conference. And the pastors from Fresh Start, uh, uh, Fresh Start Church in Arizona are going to be our speakers there. They're all, honey, it's going to be a home. Oh, it's going to be a good time. But they have a prayer room in that church that maybe you could pack 30 people in there. They pack up to 70 and 80 people in there that can't wait to get in there to seek God, call down heaven. I mean, we have been in that prayer room. We're standing shoulder to shoulder, and people are getting saved. People are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are being slain, and we have to lean them up against the wall because it can't have no room for them to go on the floor. But about two years ago, in that prayer room, early morning, prayer team got in there right before service. They got in there at 9.30 in the morning. And all of a sudden, the kabod, the Shekinah glory of God came into that room. By the time service started, the pastor had to crawl. I mean, he literally crawled out of that room to start the service. All during the service, those prayer members, they could not get out of that room. They were plastered to their seat. They were plastered to the floor because of the glory of God that was in that room. They had their service that morning. Pastor dismissed. He went home, went, went out to eat and went home and Around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the, his, his assistant pastor called me and said, Pastor, I'm going to go over to church and make sure that they closed up everything. He said, okay. He says, and make sure things are ready for the evening service. He said, fine. About a half hour later, he gets a call from the, from the assistant pastor. He said, Pastor, you got to get over here. He says, they're still praying. They're still in the room. They're still not moving. The pastor got there. Got to that prayer room once again and the group to get in the prayer room. All of a sudden we had people that were crawling out of that prayer room trying to start the service again. But the, the, there was about 16 of them, that original ones that went in there, they were still there. They had their evening service, got dismissed from their evening service. And after they got dismissed from their evening service, they were still in there. For 12 and a half hours they were laid out before God the presence the prop the power of God upon them they could not leave they could they didn't even take a potty break up they didn't go out to eat they were there because the glory of God and when they finally did get out of there they thought they'd only been in there about 15 20 minutes you see the thing is when you're in the very presence of God time does not exist they were there and the glory. And while they were there, God was showing them things about heaven. He was revealing things to them that were about to take place. 
The day is coming when you're not going to be able to leave these altars. You're not going to be able to get out of this church because the glory of my God is going to saturate this place. You say, how do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit told me. I drove onto this property. He says, I have designated, I have ordained this place to be a place where my glory shall abide. This will be a habitation of my glory. Hallelujah. Hear me. You cannot have the fulfilled prophecies without holiness. You cannot live in a state of sin, in a state of rebellion, because rebellion is against God. You cannot live in a type of state and expect the glory of God. If you're having problems in your home, the first thing I ask you is what is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And it's not enough that you come to church on Sunday, or it's not enough that you go to a youth program, or it's not enough that you that you every now and then you pray. No, what is your relationship? How well do you know him? When you begin to know him, then you begin to experience holiness. I often opened up this morning with this talk uh, with what the writer of Hebrews said God promised he would do. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. I ask you, have you ever seen such a shaking in America? As you see today? Have you ever seen such a shaking among the nations of the world as we see today? The entire world has been gripped with a fear such as never been seen since Bible times. One of the things the Holy Spirit told me, he said, what you're calling shaking, he says, it's just the tremors before the earthquake. Honey, you haven't seen nothing yet. The shaking that is coming will be far more violent. Understand that fear is Satan's greatest weapon. We have witnessed Satan's greatest weapon. We thought we knew it, now we began to see it. His greatest weapon, fear. Unrefined, unrestrained fear takes control of the mind, the thoughts, and the emotions of man. When fear is in control, man will make irrational decisions and accept irrational dictates. In April 2017, God gave me a prophetic word that I delivered to Northview Assembly of God. I just spoke about this church. It is, a, it is a word that I believe speaks of the day and events that we are living in today. What I prophesied back then, we began to see it fulfilled. He says, as you search the scriptures, you will find that few are the men who have been tested as Job was tested. The enemy in one hour, in a one hour period, came against Job with a fury, with one goal in mind 
and that was to cause Job to curse me. Yet not once did Job curse me or blame me, nor did he ever lose faith in me, but he remained faithful, praising me. Understand that the day is quickly approaching in which Satan will unleash his rage and anger against the inhabitants of this nation. You will see and hear the cries of thousands upon thousands who will be affected by his assault. Many of them you will know, some may even be friends or family. Like Job's friends, you will wonder, how is it that this just man or woman of God is going through such a time of testing? Yet look at the scriptures and see how I spoke so highly of Job, and yet he was sorely tested. Have you not read where it said that my father makes his son to rise on the wicked and on the good and makes the rain to fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike? What is coming will affect the just and the unjust alike. The difference is that because you are washed in my blood, you have someone on whom you can call. Amen. Satan's goal is to cause you to arise and curse me. But if in the midst of the storm you will praise and worship me, I will turn your sorrow into joy and your pain into dancing and your night into day, says the Lord. Do you understand the power that there is in our praise? Do you understand the power that, I'll tell you, the worship team did a wonderful job. But let me tell you something, the day is going to come that the anointing will flow from you in such a manner that people will be running to the altar for salvation. When you have that type of music, my God, take a look at the front of this sanctuary. One of the things I came in, I looked, I said, this all the sanctuary. I saw the openness here. I said, Lord, this church is primed and ready for outpouring. Come on. Hallelujah. Across Tabernacle, every service, when we begin the service, the altar gets packed with people standing, worshiping, and praising God. Oh, that's fanatical. I'm conservative. Honey, God's going to pluck your feathers. John Kilpatrick made me laugh because talking about how he was so conservative and so dignified. He said, so God got a hold of him and that dignified preacher spent most of the service underneath the piano. He could not move because of the glory of God. Come on now. Praise, praise, praise. In one of our outpouring services before we, go, we got in the back room and we're, we were all gathered together in that back room and we were praying. And all of a sudden, a shout came out in that back room. And that shout came out. It was just moving on. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, tell them this. Tonight, you will hear the shout that was heard at Jericho. Wow. 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 We came out into the service, and, 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 and it was just beginning. And they, they, they didn't even we don't begin with, with announcements or anything. We went right into worship. And all of a sudden, a shout began in that sanctuary. And I mean, it wasn't just a, oh, no. It lasted for almost 10 minutes. Shouts. 
continuous. One of the young pastors that was there, the Lord told him, step out from where you were at. He stepped out. He said, look up. He says, I looked up. He says, I saw the roof open up. He says, and I saw a throne come down into the house. And he says, I heard the words, the Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That night, there was a man that they brought in. They had to carry him into the sanctuary. They put him in the back row. He had just been sent home to die, stage four cancer. He could not even walk because he was so weak. In the midst of that shout, that man got up from where he was sitting. He stood in the aisle. He lifted his hands and he started jumping up and down, praising God. The next day, he went to his doctor. He said, I don't have cancer. The doctor said, well, I know you don't think you do, but you don't have much time. He said, I want you to run tests on me. I want you to check me out fully. The doctor said, well, there, there, there's no help for you. He said, do it. I'll pay for it. They ran every test on that man. That Thursday, they called him back into the office. The doctor said, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. He said, but there's not a trace of cancer in your body. Worship, come on now. In that same service, this grandmother, she brought her little girl. She had hearing aids in both ears. She was clinically deaf. Uh, and she went up there with all the other children. She said, our children come up to the altar and praise God during the worship service. And she went up there with the rest of the kids. And she's up there. All of a sudden, she felt the heat that came into her hands. And it started traveling up both her arms, into her shoulders, then all the way up her neck and then to her ears. Uh, and all of a sudden, she took off her hearing aids. And she went and handed it to her grandmother and said, here, I don't need these anymore. <laughs> Great. Can I hear a shout in the house? Yeah. Come on now. Are you Pentecostal or Pentecostal? Oh, Jesus. Come on. Praise. What has transpired over the year 2020 and this year has been one of the greatest tests of faith in God that the church has experienced since Bible times. Not just in this nation, but the nations of the world. The question of the hour was, what is the church going to do with the latest attack of the enemy to silence the church? The church, God's blood-bought bride, answered Satan's challenge and took the gospel, the good news, outside the four walls of the church. All at once, Luke 14 and 23 was being fulfilled for the first time in over 40 years. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. Churches that had never taken to the airways or the internet were now reaching into homes of both sinner and saint alike with the gospel of salvation, hope and healing. Many were the churches that set up their sound systems in their church parking lot and proclaimed the gospel in word and worship. Even even when they're even that, and all of a sudden their neighbors were hearing the gospel. They didn't even know the church was alive until it was out in the parking lot praising God. And in spite of saying amen to what the preacher was saying, we were blown our horns Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was 
watching people walking their dogs and all of a sudden they stop and they're sitting there and they're watching the service and they're seeing people praising God. And the devil said, oh, what are they doing? Him looking at the head satanic imp and saying, now that was a stupid idea. Come on. I never said the devil had brains. All of a sudden, different five-fold ministries start having group discussions over the internet during the day, in the middle of the week. Well, people were home. They had nothing else to do, so they turned into the internet. They started listening to these discussions going on. People were getting saved and healed. Come on now. Satan has never been more frustrated since he mounted an attack against Job. All of a sudden, he starts looking at the church and saying, are you crazy? Can you imagine Satan's, Satan's response when, when Job started praising God in the midst? He fell down and worshiped the Lord and Satan said, what's wrong with you, you idiot? Look what happened to you. How can you possibly praise God? I will praise him. I will praise him. I will praise Lamb for sinners slain. Come on, give him glory. I said, give him glory. Give him glory. Give him glory. Hallelujah. The psalmist David said in the 150th chapter, praise him in the sanctuary, which is something we've learned to do that very well. But well, what is exactly the sanctuary? 1 Corinthians 16 and 19 says, Ah, don't you realize? Uh, this is from the Amplified. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Do you not know? Says, in the Amplified, says, Do you not know? Your body is the temple, the very sanctuary. Look at your neighbor and say, You're a sanctuary. Uh, a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, no state has come under the church, no church in any state has come more under attack of Satan than the state of California. They not only locked their doors, when they did gather, they told them, you can't sing. Mm. So what they do? They got out on the beaches by the thousands. And they held church. People were getting saved. They did it under the viaducts. They were having church. Let me tell you something. You ain't going to shut me up. Come on now. Hallelujah. 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 My, my, my. See, David was trying to convey that God was to be praised wherever you are, 
whatever you are going through, no matter what the schemes of the enemy may be decided to. The Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 5 and verse 18, he says, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks unto God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Or in Christ Jesus, some may say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Can we ask you a question? Have you gone through more than what Jesus did? Have you gone through more than what the Apostle Paul did? Have you gone through more than what the other part of what the different disciples went through? Let me tell you something, honey. We got it easy. We go through little things and go, oh, God's not going to love me anymore. God doesn't care. We have been to the, at the point where God tested us. There was a time when we didn't have no food in our house. And I looked at my daughter, I said, Susan, I said, set the table for supper. She looked at daddy like daddy was crazy. I said, set it up. So she put out the plates and the silverware. She got glasses and put water in it. She even had ice cubes, we were rich. Okay, I said, now, let, let's give thanks to the Lord. We sat around the table. We said, I thank you, God, for our meal. While I was praying, there was a knock at the door. <laughs> got up. After God done praying, went to the door. Nobody was there. But there were three bags of groceries sitting there. Hallelujah. And inside one of those bags, there was money. And also, there was candy for the kids. Woo! And God took care of every single detail. Come on. But my God shall supply all of your needs. And he throws in the wants as a blessing. Praise him. See, there are higher heights and greater levels that God wants to take you to. He said, I want to take you higher because I love you. I want the best for you. And because I do, this is what God's saying to you today. I now call you to come higher. He says, oh, it's within my power to lift you up to these higher places of my glory. And my place is a blessing. But if you are to grow in maturity and fulfill my purpose for your life and your ministry, then you must, of your own free will, shake off all the restraints and come up to the level I have prepared for you. He said, it, it, it is, it's not that God doesn't want to take us higher. It's that he wants the body of Christ. He wants you to get to the point where you're so hungry that you will go higher, that you will pursue that next level in serving him. Today, say, my precious ones, I'm calling you to a new level of praise. Do not get this mixed up with my taking you to a new level of praise. 
I'm not taking you. I'm calling you to a new level. It is a step that you must pursue. You will be encountering difficulties and testings that will only be conquered and overcome by your grace. I want you to understand something very important. Job, he was tested to prove to Satan, not to God. God already knew him. Tested to prove to Satan and all the powers of hell that in the middle of the greatest test recorded in Scripture, that no power could take away his praise. In the face a loss of family and fortune, Job declared, Naked came I from out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the center of chaos and darkness and fear, Job's faith and his praise was never shaken. During this pandemic, God placed a challenge before the church to step into a new level of praise, a new level of anointing, a new level of his glory. In the center of this chaos, darkness and fear, that had, had this world in its grip, the church, the body of Christ, I have seen, did not cower in some corner, but has come out as a roaring lion. And the anthem that, that has come out of the church is that, that one song that has been singing, we will not be shaken. Fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. I will not be shaken. It may have taken a pandemic such as this world has never seen, but the church has answered the urging of the Holy Spirit and stepped up to the place where God's calling her. While watching the broadcastings on the internet and Facebook and seeing it, just several months back, over 100,000 in Washington, D.C. gathered just to pray. Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, son, what do you see? I replied, I see a spirit of revival. I see a wave of glory. I see the fulfillment of prophecy. I see it unfolding before my eyes. I see a great awakening. Then the father said, tell them. Job was sorely tested, yet he did not sin by cursing me, nor did he cease to praise me in all his trouble. In the end, all that was taken from him was restored and then doubled. I told the enemy of your soul that in the middle of this darkness, that the light of my glory would break through this darkness as my beloved would find ways to glorify me and minister to the hopeless. I called you to come to higher ground in the middle of this darkness. You've not failed, but you have persevered. And now, says the Lord, I declare to you, as I declare to Job, 
I will not only restore, but I will send you a double portion of my favor, my glory, and my power. Even as the children of Israel celebrated at the Red Sea after they saw their enemy perish before their eyes, so too there is coming a celebration in the houses of praise across this nation. What was asleep has awakened and will remain awake until I come and take my bride away. Your children and youth will dance in the aisles of your houses of worship. Your elderly will weep for joy as they see the fulfillment of prayers and promises of years gone by. Your young men and young women will rejoice as they see their children and parents basking in the glory of my presence. Rivers of my glory will rush through your houses of praise, healing all manner of disease and infirmity. It will be such a powerful river that it will burst from your houses of praise into your communities and across the internet and airwaves that will leave the skeptics speechless. I have said and I have decreed that the latter glory would be greater than the former glory, and I am a God of my word. What I have decreed, I will do. You, my beloved, are to be the recipients of past intercessory petitions and past prophetic promises. The words that I spoke to my prophet, I declare to you. Isaiah 61 and 2, arise from the depression and prostration in which the circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and dense darkness all peoples, but the Lord shall rise upon you. O Jerusalem, and his glory shall be seen on you. Can I get a shout in the house? Oh. Hallelujah! I believe God is saying, stop listening to the naysayers. Stop listening to and accepting reports that would strike fear into your hearts. Stand on my word. Proclaim my promises. Stop ignoring the theories and negative reports of man for their news is but a tool of Satan to cast shadow over the promises of God and start getting excited about what is coming. Ministry Weave, song Ministry of we the, we the Kingdom came out with a song this past year that I believe said that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Don't tread on me. Hear me. It's a song to the powers of hell. No weapon formed against me.
shall prosper. Don't trap me. Let me share with you one last prophecy. This is the prophecy that God gave for this region. You are the heartland of America. How many knows what the heart does? It pumps life throughout the body. You're designed in this last hour to pump life back into this nation. Come on now. Come on. This is the prophecy I gave the other night at the Bridge of Grant prophecy. I gave it a copper bluff, but it's for the region here. It says, I saw for a man among them who should build up the hedge, build up the wall, and stand in the gap for me, stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Ezekiel 22, 30. Hear the word of the Lord. As in the days of Ezekiel, I am once again looking for those who will stand in the gap and intercede and cry out for the rivers of revival to once again flow in this land. Out of my great mercy, I have not brought destruction, war, or famine upon this land because of a remnant that has stood in the gap. Yet there are still far too many who claim to be sons and daughters of God who have not bent a knee or shed a tear for those who are perishing without a savior. Many are they who stand in the pulpits across this nation and the nations of the world who are preaching a word that they did not receive from me, but from a sermon website. Where are those men and women of God who would wait on me into the wee hours of the morning with hearts broken for the lost, passionately desiring a fresh anointing word to deliver to my church? Where are they who at one time would preach with an abandonment because the fire that was within them refused to be quenched by those who demanded a lukewarm gospel? Hear me, says the Lord. There was a day when the fire of Pentecost flowed like lava through this region of the nation. A church meeting did not take place where souls were not saved. The sick did not stay at home because of their illness, but they came to church to be healed. The messages that were preached were as coals off the altar of heaven, and although they exposed hidden sin, they were received with grateful hearts. It was in those meetings that many would tarry around the altars until the early hours of the morning, seeking more and more of my glory. There was, a, there was a no set time to dismiss a service, for to do so would be considered a hindrance to the move of the Holy Spirit. Often were the times prayer meetings would break out in the homes of saint and sinner alike, or even on the street corners as people greeted one another. I ask you, do you not long for the same move of my glory once again in this region? Is there not a yearning within your spirit for the fire of Pentecost to once again flow like a river of lava through the, throughout the region and beyond? I ask you, says the Lord your God, 
Where is the passion that drove you when the mantle of ministry was placed on your shoulders? I call you this hour to look around you and see the generation of today that has never heard or experienced the fire of my glory. Look at how they have been indoctrinated in the ways of the world, but not in the ways of God. What father would not run into a burning building to rescue his children if they were in it? Or what mother would not give her life to save her child? Wake up! Your children, your sons and daughters are perishing in a world that is bound for destruction. The very prince of darkness is deceiving them and leading them into an eternal damnation of fire while you are sitting by without interceding on their behalf. Have you not read what I declare in Mark's gospel? For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and loses his own soul? Your children, your sons and daughters, even your spouse is a part of your soul. Are you willing or are you prepared to make heaven your home and leave them behind to a burning hell? I know that in your heart you would never want to see them perish. But I ask you, are you ready to passionately storm the throne room of heaven in intercession for a full-blown move of my glory to sweep them into the kingdom of heaven. There is a promised move of my glory, a last day outpouring that has been prophesied, but it will not come to those who are passive in their pursuit of my glory. You who have known and experienced my love, my peace, my joy, and my presence, you owe this upcoming generation such an experience as well but they will never experience it unless you seek me with a passion that ignited the fire of revival of years gone by do you not know the psalm of asa who wrote for perpetuity god says god's ways will be passed down from generation to the next generation even to those not yet born in this way every generation will have a living faith in the laws of life and will never forget and the faithful ways of god by following his ways they will break the past bondage of their fickle fathers it is time for my beloved bride to arise and break the chains of bondage it's time to storm the gates of hell and take back what the enemy has stolen from you. It's time to reclaim your children and your children's children. It's time to reclaim your backslidden parents and their siblings and your siblings who once, once worshiped alongside of you. Hear me, if you will pursue my presence with a passion, I will not only open the windows of heaven and pour out my blessing upon you, but I will send the fire of Pentecost upon your region and beyond. Once again, rivers of fire will flow in your communities, in your houses of worship, in your seats of government, and in your schools, from elementary to the, your universities. Hear me, I am sick and tired of those teachers and professors who have poisoned the minds of your sons and daughters with their doctrines of atheism and liberal thinking. They have scoffed all that is holy and promoted every type of immorality and anti-God teaching, leaving a generation that is lost and confused. 
hear me. They have touched the apple of my eye. And I will be silent no longer unless they repent and change their ways. I will deal with each one of them as I would the vilest of sinners. Uh, their cries of anguish and pain shall echo in the corridors of hell. Nothing shall be able to stop or withstand my, wire, my river of fire. It will burn up all that is anti-God and will shut the mouth of all those who speak against my beloved bride. As I pour out my glory, hear it, as I pour out my glory upon my beloved, I will loosen the purse strings of the wealthy, and they will pour their resources into the hands of my people. You will lack for nothing. Once again, you will experience my glory in your sanctuaries. As I saturate you with my oil of anointing, it shall drip from you as honey drips from the honeycomb. My coming glory will be so strong that there will be no reason to start to set starting times of service or times of dismissal as the glory will flow 24 hours a day. People under conviction of sin will come to repent of their sins and be saved at all hours of the day and night. Uh, intercessors will man the altar in shifts to accommodate those coming into my house of praise at all hours to be healed, set free, and delivered from the powers of sin and addiction. Many, many say, this is ludicrous. It will never happen. This is wishful thinking. I say to you, go study church history, and you will find that this is exactly what happened in past revivals throughout history. If it, I did it then, I can do it again. Only this time, I must fulfill my promise that the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. I say to you skeptics who shake your heads in disbelief, am I not God? And did I not create the heavens and the earth by just speaking the word? Did I not create man out of the dust of the earth? And have I not said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever? I am still God, and I still do the miraculous, and I will do the miraculous in your day, and I will call every skeptic to give an account for their disbelief. Hear me, my beloved. Do you... Do you or don't you want a last day revival in this nation? If no, then I will give it to another. If yes, then I say to you, cast off every weight that has held you down and start to pursue me with a passion, a hunger that will not be satisfied with no less than my best. My return is already at the door, and I can wait no longer for those who will sit on the fence to see which, which way the wind is blowing. The time of harvest is now. It is a great harvest that is be gathered in. I have been saying to my church to prepare, yet few are taking heed to my warning. The coming harvest will be so great and so quick that you will see people by the hundreds being added to the church weekly. Are you ready? Are you prepared to disciple 20, 30, 70, or 100 souls a week? Impossible, you say. But I ask you, did I not add 3,000 to the church in the book of Acts in one day? Not including men, not including women and children? I can 
and I will do it again, saith the Lord. This day, I call you to repent of your doubt, your laziness, and your lack of zeal. If you do, I will reignite that fire that I placed within you the day you first believed. And when I see you once again pursuing me with a passion, I will then send the fire, says the Lord your God. I sought for a man. I sought for a woman. I sought for a teenager. I sought for a young adult. I sought for a child who will stand in the gap before me for this land. Hear me. Who will stand in the gap? Who will stand in the gap? adults that will stand in the gap for their teenagers, for their children, for their parents? Who are the senior citizens that will say, I will continue to stand in the gap. I will intercede. I will man the prayer room until I see revival. Who will be those that will say, it's me, Lord. I'm standing in the gap. Is that you? I challenge you right now to not just stand up, but I challenge you to come to this altar and say, God, here am I. I want this move of God in our community. I want it in our church. I want it in this region. And Lord God, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to see and see which way the wind is blowing. But my God, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. Here am I. Will you intercede for your children that are on their way to hell? Teenagers, will you intercede for your classmates? Will you intercede? God, bring revival in my school. Holy Spirit. The altars were on fire. And pastors from other churches would come. And they'd come to the altar and they would, with a bucket, they would reach down and they would grab that fire. And they would take it back to their church, to their people. And they would say, where did you get such a fire? And they would say, from the altar of that church. I have been in all foreign services where from one end of that sanctuary to the other end, lined with pastors 
that came hungry, seeking for revival, seeking for a move of God, and taking fire from the altar, and taking it back to their churches, and their churches are on fire for God right now. God says, I want my fire to be on this altar, and I want you, that you are going to be the keepers of the fire. Did you hear me? You're to be the keepers of the fire. You've got to keep that fire burning. Keep it. It's not your pastor's responsibility. It's your responsibility to keep the fire burning. Keep your children in the fire. Keep your grandchildren in the fire. Keep your great-grandchildren in the fire. Come on. Let your youth meetings turn into powerhouse meetings. Come on. Too many, too many youth meetings are, youth times are, are just a time of, of let's play games. Uh, it's time the day of playing games are over. Let's get down to finding the power of God in our youth meetings. Uh, in Terre Haute, the children's church, the young people lead the worship. The youth lead the worship in those, our children's church. Our children, our youth and our children's church, they are laying hands on one another. They are praying healing. They are bringing forth messages in tongues. They're bringing forth interpretations. They're bringing forth prophetical words. If the world can use the children, why can't God use the children in the church? Come on now. Don't settle for mediocre religion. Seek an on-fire relationship. 